We have another live show for you guys. We're coming back to New York City because I'm back in town. We put something together for May 15th. We're back at Sesh Comedy. Show starts at 7.30. Doors open at 7 p.m. I'm so excited. We loved Sesh when we were there the last time. I'm pumped to be able to do another show back in New York so soon. So Wednesday, May 15th. For tickets, head to our website at findingmrheight.com slash live. That's findingmrheight.com slash live. You can get your tickets right there. That ticket link will be up as you are hearing this announcement. And the venue is BYOB. So if you want a drink, bring a drink. If you like a Diet Coke, bring a Diet Coke. And we're going to hang out afterwards. We can say hello to everybody. Hope to see you all there. See you there. He actually does have an iPhone, but he doesn't use it. Bizarre. He has two phones. They're, one of them is not a work phone. What? He has two phones. Weird or not. He, I, weird or not. I have an Weird or not. Hello and welcome to another episode of Finding Mr. Height, the podcast. I'm Allie, back with my co-host Rourke. Rourke, how are you doing today? Allie, what a difference a week makes. I think that these updates are going to be very different in tone than last week. Very, very I'm different so in tone. In my corner of the world, I leave for – we both are having travel days. I leave for Dallas this afternoon. Going to hunker down for Thanksgiving and my birthday and then make my way back. Um, so I'm excited for that. That'll be nice. The big sort of like relationshipy news is that based on holidays and then work travel, I am not going to see the classmate for like almost four weeks. That's so long. <laughs> I know. It like really sucks. It's interesting. We just – to be uh, like very clear with listeners, we are recording this after our recording session with Sharice, who yes. you're going to hear in t- 15 minutes, listeners. And <laughs> one of the th- she talked, one of the things she talked about really resonated with an experience that I went through this week, where obviously not only is there just sort of the general bummer sadness of not seeing the person you're dating for a month. There is also the fact that it means – it means so we were sort of looking at ways to kind of try to move pieces around so we could be together on my birthday, but we just like came to the conclusion uh-huh. that there was like really no way to make it happen. And uh-huh. um, it, it, it's really okay. Like I – on the scale of caring about birthdays to not caring about birthdays, I lean towards not caring. And so okay. it's really not a huge deal and we'll do something fun when we reconvene in December for sure. But uh, I told him that would be like important to me too do a redo. Yes. And so while we were figuring that out, my – so what you'll hear her talk about is this sort of initial reaction and then reflecting later. And so when we had this conversation where he realized, you know, like this isn't going to work, we can't make this work, I had a very initial very strong upset reaction where yeah. my gut was like, I don't feel like a priority. I this like really hurts my feelings and it like made me very sad. And so, but then, and so that was like kind of what bubbled up for me. And I just, you know, I was like a little quiet in the conversation and shared some of that, but not all of it because I didn't think some of it was productive. Yeah. And then I had a couple days to think and before we um had like a date night and um I had an experience with the student where I 
got a job pretty last minute. They just extended these offers really late in the cycle of Mm -hmm. where um, after my first year of law school, I worked in D.C. Okay. And this was – I absolutely I had a sort of backup job in LA and I would I needed to get out of that gracefully and you know it, that was an awkward conversation where I essentially was like I got this opportunity that I have to take and so that was a professional thing decision that I had to make but I when I got the offer for this DC job I immediately reached out to two professors that I really liked and said, you know, can we talk, like are you on campus? Can I swing by and talk to you about what I should do here because I'm going to have to get out of this other commitment in a way that's yeah. honorable. And so I won't do it if you don't think it's worth it. And both the professors said, you need to do this. The student gave me such a hard time. He made me feel so guilty. He tried to tell me not to do it because he really? did not want me. Yeah. Because he didn't because want to have like time a long apart. Distance summer. Like he didn't want to be like left in LA. Sorry, what? How selfish is that? Yeah. Yeah. Part of this work trip is that the classmates going to Spain. And so that's like fun and cool. And I'm like, fuck you. But um, <laughs> um, I I was really reflecting on my that experience with the student. And then I was also thinking about the fact that there will come a time where I'm in trial in some – and it's not going to be Spain. It's going to be like Reno. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm going to be locked in a courtroom for – I'm going to have to go just like write motions for a month and be on a trial team. And if I want to date Somebody who didn't behave like the classmate, who cheers me on when that career didn't behave like the, didn't behave way. like the student. Yes, fuck. They, their nicknames are too close. This I know is a they're too similar. I know. <laughs> okay. Um, if I want to date somebody who isn't who doesn't pull what the student pulled in when yeah. I get that career opportunity, who cheers me on, who says that's amazing, go kick ass, whatever. Then I cannot have it both ways. I have yeah, to be that person in return. You have to be that person too. Exactly. And yeah. I had that revelation as I was like in traffic driving to work. And ever since, I have been so at peace. Like I'm obviously bummed and like it's not my first choice to not see the classmate for a month. But like – Of course. I I said of course. Like that – it's not ideal. Yeah. But I like – I just feel like – so fine. Like, I just feel really – like, I said to my therapist, the word I would use is I just feel very steady. And yeah. I feel super secure in the relationship. Like, I know it's going to be fine. And I guess, you know, if it's not, it's not. But, like, it's not going to – it's not going to be better if I worry about it today. And she – and she actually – my therapist actually commented to me. She was like, you seem incredibly not anxious. Like – and I was like, yeah, exactly. I just – it's just – this is what it is right now. And – Hopefully, if the classmate and I stay together a long time, four weeks is a drop in the bucket. It just doesn't matter. Very true. So anyway, Very true. that's where I'm at. It's kind of like we were talking about with Sean a little bit, where you can be disappointed in the outcome of something without being disappointed in the person. Yes. Like, yes. you can be disappointed that you're not going to see the classmate for four weeks because that sucks, but mm-hmm. you don't need to be disappointed with him for leaving Correct. That's a great that's a great way to put it. And um I think I probably less artfully conveyed that to him when I when when he and I were at dinner, I said, I'm disappointed that A, we're not gonna be together on my birthday and we're gonna be apart for so long. That's a bummer. That's not my first choice. You know? Right. And yeah. And then I was like, and another thing can be true. I'm can sit on that feeling and also know that like this is the relationship that I want. This is the shape of a relationship that 
I want for my future for these reasons. And so yeah. I'm, I can't wait to hear about it. Can't wait for you to FaceTime me and share it with you and live vicariously through you. And like, that'll be great. And I'll send him stuff from my Thanksgiving and he'll send, you know, it, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. But yeah. Here we are. I'm jealous he's going to be in Spain. So I am also about to embark a, upon a, a long period of time without seeing the person that I'm dating. Granted, not a relationship, but um, I'm leaving today for California for like three weeks, essentially. Um, it was supposed to be for six, it was supposed to be for like five or six weeks, um, but I have to come back for work, which is sort of annoying um, in the middle of a but vacation. But silver lining. But silver lining, it means that I'm going to see the rower. Three weeks from now when I come back to New York for a weekend. Um, but we went out on our third date last night and it was so fun. How did you – okay, I want to hear the details of the date for sure because I don't yeah. know anything. But first – this might be jumping to the end. If you want to save it, let me know. I want to know how you navigated the conversation of the absence and – because this is something where I've – when I've been not in a relationship, dating somebody and about to take a trip, I yeah. – I debate between requesting could we FaceTime or something that makes me feel better is like locking in a date for when I'm back, like knowing that yes. there's this back end event. And so like I, I'm interested in what what you did. Yeah. So first I, I want to talk about how this date came to be in the first place. Okay. Because let's, on let's our on our last episode, which was really difficult for me to listen back to because I just it brought me back to like my anxiety that I was feeling at the time. Yeah. But on our last episode, I was talking about how although he knew in theory that I was going home for like a month, he did not know the specifics of when I was leaving and the fact that my mom was coming into town a few days before I was leaving. So we were like really running out of time to see each other. Yeah. We, and we had and last we recorded, we hadn't talked in a couple days. So right. I ended up texting him just like saying hi. We like went back and forth a little bit. And then I just – when he asked how my week was going, I mentioned that I was sort of prepping to go home and that my mom was coming the next day. And then that kicked off. He ended up saying like, oh, that'll be so fun to have her staying with you. Sounds like it'll be challenging for me to see you before you leave though. True. And so then that got – yeah, yes, true. Yes, thank you. It will be. <laughs> um, and so that got us into a whole conversation where we then kind of figured out that we could have a date after my mom and I went to a musical, which we did last night. To answer your question, I was debating how I wanted to approach my, you know, upcoming absence. And I ended up doing both of the things that you said. I ended up asking both for well, they won't be FaceTimes because he doesn't have an iPhone. Um, but yeah. he actually does have an iPhone, but he doesn't use it. Bizarre. He has two phones. They're one of them is not a work phone. What? He has two phones. Weird or not. He, I, weird or not. I haven't weird actually. Or not. Yeah, it, <laughs> but he doesn't use the iPhone. He just it's has a paperweight. It. Like he doesn't. Uh, he uses. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, definitively. So, yeah, I haven't. I actually like didn't haven't really asked him why he has this iPhone. Anyway, but I, he, I do know that he prefers his Google phone. For some bananas, yeah. we've actually had to kick a very close member of the group out of the group text, and we're just and now we just tell his oh, girlfriend to relay the information because we're like we can't have it ruined by your yeah. one fucking Google phone, bro. No, you can't have that person in a group yeah. chat. So anyway, so I when we were out, we were having drinks and talking about you know my flight tomorrow at the time, and um, you know 
whatever plans I have for when I'm home. So first he I told him I was like, yeah, like it's actually kind of annoying, you know, like we're I have to be back in the office or it's not going to be in the office. It's like an offsite leadership thing. Um during that time, um and I didn't think I was going to have to come back, but I have to come back for this day, so I'm going to like stay through the weekend. And he said, yeah, that is annoying. Selfishly though, it means I'll get to see you sooner. Great. So we like kind of locked in um, we don't have an actual plan. That's that's but fine. we but we locked in that we will be yeah totally fine. But we will be seeing each other um, when I'm back for that weekend. Perfect. And then in addition to that, I asked him, "Do you think that we can have a video date or two while I'm gone?" And what was his reaction? And he said yes. He said yeah, absolutely. Amazing. So and and then I actually told him that I was nervous to ask him that. And how did he react to that? He was like, he's like, yeah, I, he's like, I, I see why that might have been, you know, like a scary thing to ask. But like, he's like, and then, and then he said, he's like, yeah, but like, I'm easygoing. Like, that's, that's fine. And then I, then I said, I was like, oh, well, well, that doesn't really make me feel better because easygoing people just could say yes to things they don't really want to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then he's like, oh no, that's not what I meant. I am easygoing. However, I'm also very good at saying no to things I don't want to do. Oh, love that. I mean, I think men often – men are just better at that on average than women, I believe. Yes. Yes. Like the people-pleasing is not as as much of a trait in men as it is in women, I think, yeah. largely. The classmate notwithstanding in his multiple dinners, but anyway. <laughs> so yeah. So I think – so he like very much affirmed like, yes, video dates sounds like something I would like to do, not just something I'm acquiescing to do. Great. Well, that's great. So then uh, tell me about the date itself. It was great. So it's, it was a late date and I had told him it would be a nightcap. I was – in California, I was I was home from Friendsgiving getting ready for bed when you were like headed out to your date. Well, because the, the musical was at 8 and musicals are They're fucking long. long. Like, it was like we were leaving the musical at almost 11. Um, and so I had originally told him 11-ish even though I knew it would probably be a little bit later than that. Um, but I said, like, I'll let you know when we're leaving. And he was like, Yeah, no rush on my end. He had gone to dinner with a friend and was just like at home. And I had told him I would come to his neighborhood, considering I was he was meeting up with me at almost midnight yeah. to go on this date. Um, so so he had picked this bar. It's called the Commodore in Williamsburg. I've only been there once and it was seven or eight years ago, but I remember it being a scene. Oh. Like the place that you go in Williamsburg to like meet people like crazy loud dj Oof. like that's how i remembered it and that is not his vibe right i was gonna say you've even like, talked about how you don't like that scene yes yes so he told me that we were going into the musical when he gave me the location of where we were gonna meet and in my head i was like oh i don't think he's gonna like that bar he he's new to williamsburg he's only lived in williamsburg for like a month oh interesting so maybe two months so i highly suspected he had never been to this place he probably like looked it up they have really good fried chicken like when you like look them up you would not think that this place is going to turn into a dj nightclub got it it does not look like that kind of place but i like was going to the in the musical and i just kind of like lost that train of thought and started like got distracted by something else and just whatever so then we're on the way and my mom was in the uber with me cuz then she was going to like drop me off a block away and then continue this on. This is so cute in home. high school. 
I got a text from him that said, I totally feel like an old person right now, but it's so fucking loud in there. I can't hear myself think. And he was like, I have a plan B. Like, meet me. How far away are you? And we were like eight minutes away. So he was like, okay, just meet me here still. But like, I have a plan B. We'll walk somewhere else. Perfect. Yeah. And when I got there, I was like, yeah, I meant – I like – if I hadn't been going into the musical, I probably would have challenged the, the plan. <laughs> so I – I actually think this worked out perfectly because I am somebody who would receive that plan, know how ex- exactly how it was going to spin out, and try to be like, let me save you from yourself and let me tell you like the situation and then see if you want to pivot. I think it's better sometimes if they just like learn it on their own and then like they make the decision, but like you were right all along. And so I, I think this worked out perfectly. Like, yeah. I- I love this. Yeah. And and there are like other situations where like somebody has suggested a restaurant that I know is good we're gonna need a reservation for and they're and they're suggesting that we walk to like that we just walk in. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like in situations where we will be negatively impacted because we have not planned ahead properly, then I'll say something. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in this scenario, and there are a bajillion bars in Williamsburg. Like you don't like the one you're in. You just walked next door. Right. And there's another one. So so yeah. So my mom dropped me off. She like actually like saw him and like saw me say hello to him. So cute. But that what? Lurking a bit. She said she was lurking a bit. Love it. I support that. Good work, Trudy. <laughs> work says good work. <laughs> good spying, mom. Um, it was a very nice hello. He kissed me hello. Hmm. Which, like, I know we've talked about, like, when do you do the kiss hello? We did not do the kiss hello on our second date. We did, like, a cheat kiss hello. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, this it's the natural escalation. Then. Yes. But it just felt really, like, natural. Love that. Like, like I was meeting up with somebody that I've been dating, which, I, I mean, I was. But, like, longer than, you know, this is our third date. Like, we, I walked up to him. He kissed me hello. Then he, like, put my ar- his arm around me and we, like, walked off down the street. Oh, that's so beat. sweet. It was really nice. Um, so we ended up going to this other bar that had like live jazz and like nice cocktails. Mm-hmm. Much better vibe. Much better. So yeah, it was really nice and just caught up. I mean, I hadn't seen him in a couple weeks, so he got a new job offer. So we were talking about that. We talked about video dates when I'm home. It was It was just lovely. Oh, that's so great. And I'm so glad. I'm so – I'm. I know that it required – some anxiety and a, like a little bit of figuring to get there, but I, I think it, I think it was worth it. Yeah, and so like you met, like you said before, we are recording this after the segment with Sharice that the listeners are about to hear. So this will make sense once they hear that. But something that she was saying in our conversation reminded me of this. So you told the story about your friend, your guy friend, who. Was, was like expressing to a girl that he's dating that he likes her. Mm-hmm. And I think it was their third date actually, yeah, if I remember was. correctly, in the story. And she like reacted kind of negatively to that. The listeners will hear the whole story in a moment. But one of the things that I really appreciated about last night and about our conversation is that like we did affirm that we like each other in an appropriate way yes. for somebody that we've met three times. But that like yeah, like we're we are enjoying this. This is like he said multiple times, like you're I really like spending time with you. You're so fun to be with. Yeah. I love that. And it was just like it was very affirming to hear that. And then we you know we had the conversations about the video dates. We had the conversations about like when I'm gonna hang when we're gonna hang out when I'm back. As a result of I think 
all of those things, I do not feel the anxiety that I felt the day after our second date. That's great today. news. Yeah, because if the listeners remember, the day after our second date, we like I went to DC. So I actually was traveling also the day after our second oh, date. Oh yeah, that's right. And then yeah, and I was so anxious that whole day until I heard from him later that night for no reason. Yeah. I just was like that was, you know, I just was very my attachment was very triggered. And I don't feel that way at all today. That's awesome. Which is We're just, just two peaceful really ladies nice. about to travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so yeah, it was good. And I'm excited to go home for a few weeks and then going to Mexico with my mom and my brother. Delightful. Um, for like four days. And then I'm flying from Mexico back to New York for that work thing. And then back to San Diego for Christmas. Amazing. Just a jet-setting gal. Jet set and gal. Yeah. And we're bringing the cats with us. So that's going to be an adventure today. Yeah. I'm assuming they will stay in- Not to Mexico. Yeah. yeah. I'm assuming they will stay <laughs> yes. in San Diego when you come to New York briefly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll, uh, my mom has three cats and my brother has two dogs. And so one of my brother's friends is going to be staying at our house with the five cats and two dogs. Wow. Um, while we're in Mexico. Oh my God. It's like Dr. Doolittle. This is insane. Yeah, so he's done it before. Um, but so he'll stay there for Mexico and then my mom and my brother will go home when I go to New York. Right. Um and we'll take care of my cats while I'm there. Great. Well, very good. And that's what's yeah, that's what's going on with me, and now I gotta pack. Yeah. First though, um the listeners will hear the segment with Sharice. What tell the listeners about her a little bit. Yes. Good job. Thank you. Um, so Sharice Cook is a relationship therapist um, and she actually – she does a lot of online therapy in terms of like courses and video trainings. It's very, very cool. Um, we will tag her Instagram um, and her website in the show notes um, and she also plugs it as well in the section that we do. But she's awesome. She talks about couples therapy but also you know individual therapy as you're kind of entering into relationships and she – it has a lot of really great content on her website. Amazing. So I'm ex- excited for everybody to hear our conversation with her. Love it. And with that, to Sharice. To Sharice. Bye. So I've been talking a bunch about how I'm trying to order in less. And part of that is that I'm cooking at home more. But when I don't have time to cook, which is more often than not, I have really can still been loving Factors meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah. And they have so many options too. Every week, their menu, they have 35 options that you can pick from. So you can find whatever it is that you're looking for. It's so easy. It's no fuss and no mess. It's so great. And I've also been really enjoying their add-ons that they have. So they have breakfast, they have on-the-go lunches if you don't work from home. I've been ordering their snacks recently to have like a little pick-me-up in the afternoon. And I've really been enjoying that. Yeah. And they also are celebrating Earth Day all month. You can look for their Earth Month Eats badge on their menu. And that will be meals that have the lowest carbon footprint. So shout out to Factor for that one. That's pretty cool. So you can head to factormeals.com slash FMH50 and use code FMH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code FMH50 at factormeals.com slash FMH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. here with Sharice. Hi, Sharice. Welcome to Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. Hi, lovely ladies. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. 
We're so happy to have you. This is so fun. We're it's so very exciting to be speaking from another country. I was just thinking. I was just thinking. Actually, I think this is our first international guest. Is that hundred percent? Is that right? Oh wait, no, Camilla. Oh, what? that's true. No, yes, we were on her. Oh, podcast. We were on. We were on her podcast. So yes, Sharice, you are our first international guest. I'm very happy to be the first. Thank you so much for having me. So hello from London. Hi. Um, well, we're so pumped for this. We've been getting a lot recently, a lot of submissions and questions asking for more relationship advice. A lot of, you know, we do both dating and relationship advice, but a lot of our episodes more recently have been focused on the dating part. And mm-hmm. so, you know, with you being a relationship therapist, we're just so pumped. I think it just, it goes really well with what people have been asking us for. I'm also excited to integrate the advice into my own life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so starting off, so I kind of gave you a little bit of a preview to this, um, but we do a segment on the pod called Weirder Nah, which is where Mm -hmm. we post a poll to our listeners and we ask them, we say like, you know, they do this thing. Basically we say like somebody that you're dating does X thing. Is that weird or nah? Nah being like not weird, totally normal. I love that. And the way that we do it is that I post that poll to my Instagram story and then Rourke does not look at the results, and she guesses live on the podcast what the results from the listeners are going to be. And when we have a guest, we have a guest guest too. All right. So this week, we actually got – it's funny because we are we had already decided to post this poll before even getting this question when we asked people for their input about what they wanted to hear from you. But our weird or not this week is they want to start couples counseling right after becoming official. <gasps> Mm. Do do you want me to go first to put myself out there first? Okay. <laughs> this I actually don't know if this is going to be an unpopular opinion. It might be a very popular opinion, but I think that I think that this is weird. I when I saw this early on, I voted weird, and I think the reason for that is because at that point, like something I talk about with my therapist is the fact that like honeymoon phases exist because very rarely in early dating have you like opened up your worlds enough to have kind of like pressure put on them in a way that would create situations that you kind of have to navigate in a way where it's like, oh, you do that that way. That's not going to, you know, you don't learn that stuff until a little bit later. And so I don't know like what we would say necessarily unless I knew something going in that they really wanted to like have out on the table, have some sort of baseline. Like I've been through this thing and it makes this really hard for me. So I really want to work on that with you together. Is that something you're willing to do? Cause that's what it takes to be boyfriend and girlfriend with me. So like that would be a kind of a different conversation. Um, but I do. So I think under most kind of quote unquote, like normative dating experiences, I would say that this is weird. And I think that it's going to be, 70 weird, 30 nah. 70, 30? Okay. Sharice, what's your guess of what? And then we can get into like what we all think about it too. What do you think the listeners said? Weird or nah? Okay. 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 Yeah. Obviously I have my opinion, but let me guess at what the poll would be. So mm, I can't wait to find out uh, what time everyone voted. I'm going to go 60, 60 weird, 40 nah. 
So it is right in between you two. It is 66 weird and 34 nah. So you're both pretty close, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, and Sharice, the thing that we do after people vote is that they can then explain their answer. So there's like a little, um, you know, question box where it says like, if you said weird, why do you think it's weird? Or if you said nah, why do you think it's not weird? Right. And so many people, Rourke said similar things to what you're saying. Um, yeah. But and and I I also think it's weird that quickly, like literally, like, mm-hmm. hey, let's be boyfriend girlfriend today. By the way, let's go to a couples therapy session tomorrow. Um, yeah. But something that was super concerning to me was the number of people who thought that going to couples therapy means there's a problem. Mm. Like there were a lot of people that said like, this is weird because if you already have problems, then you shouldn't be starting to date. Like Mm. there were like some very like like anti-therapy narratives really in the the answers of a lot of people who said weird. The reason I see a therapist one-on-one is because I have a problem. I repeat poor patterns in certain aspects of my life that I would like to understand and do better. And so I don't think it's person obviously you're the one who read what they wrote so like I don't I can't speak to that, but I don't have any problem admitting I have a problem. And like I would not be shy about going to therapy if I had a problem like communicating with my partner. Like I think yeah, that's I guess- okay. That's not I don't think that's insane like necessarily anti-therapy. No, it, it, so I, maybe I'm not explaining what they said properly then because the 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 narrative was not – the narrative was like if you have things to talk about in therapy, that's bad. Right. So oh, like – yeah, that's not – yeah, yeah, that's not inherent – certainly not inherently bad. Like I'm not bad because I have a therapist, exactly. but I do have exactly. a problem. <laughs> exactly. So like there was – there were – it was just – I was – unsettled by the like mm-hmm. anti-therapy rhetoric, anti-couples therapy rhetoric specifically. Like it felt like the it felt like people thought that couples therapy was for like people on the brink of divorce. Right. And like that's it. But Sharice, I want I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I was going to say Sharice, like when do you typically like what is your client base like? Like do you typically see pe- like what kind of stages of relationships do you see people in? Like what are kind of common problems? Like I'm just interested in your practice too mm-hmm. like, before we get to listener questions. I am um, I mean, I see people at all stages of their relationship, but in recent years I've definitely noticed that I'm attracting into my practice younger couples and and I, I literally mean by young as in the couple. It's sort of um very um, more earlier on in in the relationship. But a lot of the time, sadly, and I think any therapist will will tell you this, is when we when we start to see couples, it is too late. It is kind of there is a, there is a time mm. to seek therapy. Mm. And you're right. I think there is the stigma that is perhaps a truism, which is by the time a lot of people get into couples counseling, it's kind of past the point of no return. And that's really sad, sad because actually what the therapy then becomes about is facilitating an ending rather than actually, right. you know, changing and bettering a partnership. So, yeah, it's, it is an interesting one, I think. And so you feel like there's a lot of times when people come to see you where you're like, if you had only done this yeah. X amount of time ago. That's right. Because sometimes I just think the resentment becomes too entrenched. And then what's gone on and the hurt that has taken place has actually really 
damage the relationship to a point where people can't find their way back to each other because it requires being really tender with each other and really kind and really compassionate. And I think after a certain point, we just don't want to do that. We're just stuck in kind of fight or flight. But um, something that I love actually, and this goes back to the poll a little bit, is um, the time I really enjoy working with clients is when they are single and then they meet someone. And then I can support them through the process of trying to do a relationship differently or with esteem or the way they want to. And having that touch point every week to be checking out, how am I doing? What am I doing? Oh my God. And I can say, I remember this from last time, you know, this, you know, is this about now or is that about <laughs> that, that, that other person that, that, that you were dating? And it can be are really exciting. And I love that because that's the moment where change is really at its freshest and most able to happen, I think. So, you know, you, you know, although I can understand people thinking, this is so weird, you know, how could we go to a sort of therapy or whatever? There's a there's there's like a part of me that's like, well, actually, that is the best time to, you know, go in and just keep keep what's going good in a in an exciting stage of your relationship when we are all putting our best foot forward and we all are being the best versions of ourselves let's keep doing that actually and keep us on a really strong road so i know that doesn't really happen but part of me would be quite intrigued to experiment with that almost yeah i wonder like what would that conversation look like like if you know <laughs> if i'm somebody who wants to start that with somebody that I'm more newly dating. I probably wouldn't do it like the day we became official, but yeah. like in a in a newer relationship, like how do you how do you pitch that? Hmm. I think that actually a great way to do it is to maybe not even use the word therapy because I think that does come loaded with what we were saying, which is all the stuff about oh there's a problem, we need to go to therapy. And my sort of view of therapy is, and as you know, this isn't a new or an original um, analogy, but it is like going to the gym. It's sort of if if you want to be fit, if you want to, you know, turn up, whatever, go to the gym. You, you don't go to the gym because you know your legs are broken and you need to figure out how to use them again. You go to gym to be healthy. So you go to therapy, and you certainly go to relationship therapy to be healthy, because otherwise we can all be pretty unhealthy left to our own devices. So um, I would suggest, yeah, something in the, in the conversation being, hey, I, I see this person and they really help coach me and teach me stuff about relationships, which I find really interesting. And I think it would actually be really beneficial for us to go and just see where we are at and just make sure that we're not going to fall into any traps or, or, or make any mistakes and just sort of be really light about it and sort of sell it in a way for, for me, I believe what it is, which is this is what I do to be healthy and this really helps me. And, you know, I, you know, it can be part of our relationship if, if you're into that. Yeah. That actually brings up a question that I also had literally just picking your brain for my own personal use at this point. Um, but that brings up a question that I also had, which is, so you, so you mentioned like you have a client, let's say who's single and then they, they get into a relationship, et cetera. Would you want to see that couple or would you recommend that they go to somebody totally different who like doesn't have the more of a background with one person versus the other that is a tricky one and that does come up a lot or or it'll come up if I'm working with an individual and then suddenly they they may want their partner to come in and get some support as well it is difficult because all therapists do work differently 
And so if I'm working a certain way with someone, um, it would be great to get their partner or person that they're dating on board with, with, you know, the same, you know, goals and ways of doing things, I guess. So part of me would like to do that, but I think sort of ethically and for a lot of people, they like to have their own individual therapist separate. So I do have, you know, a whole handful of people that I know work that I really rate and think work brilliantly that I will then refer to. And then it almost becomes like a little bit of a sort of support team for everyone, which is quite cool. I like that. I like, I like the idea of like the referral. Sorry, go ahead. I spoke and what it was so, my voice was so strange anyway. um, (laughs) Yeah. Like I, so my boyfriend and I each have individual therapists and I think I would react very positive. Um, A girlfriend of mine has had her now husband come into therapy with her for one session where she was like, there's this thing that's very important to me that I've now been kind of trying to articulate to you and something isn't working. Could you come for like one session or like half of a session? And we kind of try to get break through this together. And like, he's done that with her as like a one-off. I would be super down for that. I would react very negatively if my boyfriend was like, come to my therapist as couples therapy. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, no, we are finding new neutral territory that like, absolutely not. Like it's, it, I don't know. It's the same reason why I don't, I personally don't want to ever like move into somebody's place. I want to get a new place together mm-hmm. because I never want to feel like one person like has like rights to the space that like you don't mm-hmm. have. Like I want it to be like truly shared and kind of on equal footing. And so I would, I would absolutely want to like reset. Yeah, I think that's how most people feel. And I totally understand it. And that certainly would be, you know, the ethical recommendation of what we do. But, um, but yeah, everyone is different. Sometimes the trust is so great that you do want someone to come in and get and and get the input. But I totally understand what you're saying. And that's what we have to sort of make sure that we're comfortable with. And then it can be something positive. Yeah, I could see I I like the idea work that you said about, like, her husband coming in for a certain session to talk mm-hmm. about, like, I could see that if I was like working through something with my therapist and was like, oh, you know what? Like, this would actually be really helpful if all three of us were in this conversation because I'm not doing a great job of translating. <laughs> yeah. But on an ongoing basis, I actually had a friend breakup years ago now where she wanted me to come to her therapist with her oh, on like an ongoing basis. And I had that same visceral reaction as you're saying, work with like, absolutely not. I will not be going into this situation where you've probably been shitting on me to this person for years. So yeah, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we break out some of the listener questions? Yeah, let's do it. So one of them was. Ones? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I do have more personal <laughs> ones, but we can, I can pepper Christmas. those in. We don't have to. Yeah, right? We don't have to turn this into my personal therapy session. Um, But one of the questions that we actually got a few times was, when is a good time to start couples therapy? So I think that that will be super helpful for for people. Um, So something else that we got a couple different times, and this is something that I've been talking about actually recently on my platform as well, is setting boundaries in early dating. Mm -hmm. And this particular question was setting boundaries of intimacy. But I think just more broadly, Mm -hmm. that can be really tricky in early dating when you're kind of still trying to feel somebody out. And, you know, what sort of recommendations or or advice do you have on on that? I think that um, it's really important to have an understanding of what boundaries matter to you once you start dating. 
And that is probably the most important thing because I think what can easily happen is we kind of drift and we're going to wait and see what happens and we aren't really quite sure and we're just feeling other people out. And actually we can we can drift away from ourselves very easily. And I really like working with my clients about at what point did we begin losing ourselves? You know, when when did that just start happening and become something sort of normalized? So I think really taking stock, you know, whenever a relationship ends or a dating thing doesn't work out, there's just a little bit of a taking stock period of what happened, what can I learn, um, and what do I learn about myself and how I protect myself and look after myself in a relationship? Because that's what boundaries are. They're to, there to really help us feel safe so we can be fun and flirty and enjoy ourselves and be relaxed actually and I think that that's such an important distinction because a lot of clients that I work with are quite stern and strict and sometimes abrasive with their boundary setting and that I feel is actually a bit self-sabotaging because you know at the beginning of a relationship is a time of opening how do we open ourselves up to someone new it's not a time of closing and putting up a wall and then what, you know, expecting someone to work really hard to sort of pull that wall down, if you know what I mean. So I think there's a real mm-hmm. um, a balance between really knowing your boundaries and then how to implement them in a way that is still relational. How can we do it and express it in, in a way that doesn't feel like we're actually pushing someone away, that we're actually almost letting someone in more? So I think focusing on doing it gently, I think a lot of boundaries are just done internally. We know what we want and and our behavior re- reflects that. So if we don't want to see people at a certain time, then we don't. Or if we only want to see p- people for a, a, a length of time, we decide to do that. And then and we, and we put that boundary in place ourselves. For other things like when I send you a message, and I don't hear from you for three days, you can just say a boundary of when I'm talking to someone, I'd like us to speak at least, or just touch base at least every 48 hours or every every day, just once, or, you know, to just be putting it out there in, in a really gentle way, because it's an interesting thing to see what then comes back in terms of how someone responds. I actually had someone recently who um, w- wanted to go on a date for dinner and the guy said, okay, great why don't we come to this place? And it was literally down the road from where he lived, which would have required her to travel for about an hour to get mm. him. And she said, hey, um, okay, oh. that, that, that's a nice idea. I'd actually prefer, why don't we meet halfway? She responded. And he just, yeah. he just, he just, deleted, the, just deleted the talk. It was just gone. <gasps> it was that what? Was yeah. So that was how lazy is he? So that was literally he was not prepared to meet halfway. I mean, it could not have been more um, obvious. (laughs) You know, I guess that's a gift. You know, that was really, really clear. But that was it, and it was really great that she did that because she could have wasted a couple of months on this person. And you know, but but and and she could easily have gone. Oh, it's fine. I'll just go. It's no problem. But she said no. Hey, how about just meeting halfway? Boom, that was the end of that. So it isn't, it doesn't always work in our favor, but I think it can be helpful. (laughs) What you were saying about how to express boundaries in a relational way Mm -hmm. really resonated and how they can be self sabotaging sometimes. Mm -hmm. A guy friend of mine has just had a third date with a girl that 
he likes. And on the date, he mentioned he said in sort of a pl- they were making pies for her Friendsgiving and he made a playful remark about liking her and like you know he was trying not to make it sort of too intense like i like you but like you know trying to mention that you know i like you <laughs> and and so he did that and she got very stern and goes you don't like me i don't like you you don't know me yet and i don't know you yet whoa and he yeah and he said he was like i kind of couldn't really emotionally recover for the rest of the date after that like and she then, I think, tried to explain that she feels like she presents very well and then things can – and then once people start uncovering more about her, they don't like her as much. Or when she kind of shows more of herself, it's like, oh, I'm not the person I was on the first three dates. And so that's such a great example of I wonder if – because I said my first reaction was I wonder if she's been love-bombed before. I was I was actually thinking like it feels like maybe that is a – I don't want to say trauma response, but like – because. But trauma, there's a, there's a range of trauma. Um, yeah. But of somebody who has had that happen before where somebody mm-hmm. was like overly effusive and love bombing, which it doesn't sound like your friend was doing in any way. <laughs> no. And so, so, yeah. So I think that there was a way that she could have responded or shared that in a way that didn't make him feel like kind of dumb for saying – I like is, you know, saying a very normal, nice thing for where they were at, at that stage of dating. Absolutely. And that speaks of, um, I think, the reactivity of um, our, of what we say and what we do. And that's, I guess, what I mean about being relational, relate, you know, being relational actually doesn't, it sort of isn't the same as being individual, which in our world today, we're becoming more and more individualistic. And there are lots of great things about that. But in terms of our relationships, there's some not so great things about that. And so something I work on all the time is we really need to be emotionally regulating all the time in our interactions so we can notice when maybe someone says something like this lovely guy being really quite lovely by the sounds of it. And, and we notice mm, there's a part of me that wants to come out and go, hey, we don't even know each other yet. What do you say? That you have that moment of, of, of pause to notice. I actually want to come out right here and set them straight because I think we can, we can be a bit derailed because there's such a narrative now of you stand up for yourself and you state your needs and you put down your boundaries. And that's, you know, you know, how does someone really feel warm and, you know, close to us when we're like, you know, these ninjas putting all this stuff out there? And so there is definitely something, <laughs> and, and exactly like you're saying, Ellie, about the sort of the trauma response or whatever, it's we will, you know, we will look after ourselves perhaps in too extreme a way if we are not thinking and noticing our reactions. And I'm a big fan of doing things like retrospectively. So in the moment, notice, oh, I feel really a bit alarmed by what he just said. It's okay, just carry on, carry on with the date or whatever. And then maybe in the next date, say, hey, you remember when you said that thing? And, oh, you know, I was actually really touched or whatever. But you know what? There was another part of me that thought I was a little bit nervous because we're only just getting to know each other. And we're able to then bring a calmer part of ourselves. You know, we've kind of processed what's gone on. We aren't in that reactivity. And for me, that's the key. You know, couples work is so much about try not to react. Roll with it, go with it, breathe through it. And then when you're really calm, 
and grounded and you can use another part of your brain that's part of problem solving and has empathy and everything, you can come in and have a relational conversation, which is let's actually have an intimate discussion, which might actually bring us closer together versus me putting down a harsh boundary and actually maybe creating distance in the relationship. And that's the last thing I want to do. Yeah. I I recently went on like five dates with this guy. I'm not seeing him anymore, but I did this like boundary setting series about how he reacted so well to boundaries that I set and sort of how I said them. And one of them really reminds me of what you're saying because we were at, I think it was our third date. might've been our fourth date. I can't remember now, but we were at a bar and we were kind of, we were sitting like kind of next to each other at a table and we had been holding hands and he started like rubbing the inside of my thigh. I was wearing a dress. So he was like rubbing the inside of my thigh. Mm-hmm. It made me really uncomfortable. And my initial reaction was fight or flight. Like mm-hmm. my my initial reaction was to be like, don't touch me. Um, and I, you know, it, it's that balance because I took a beat and then kind of said like, hey, like that, you know, that much PDA is making me a little uncomfortable right now, but like, let's keep holding hands. Like, you know, let's, Mm. I want to touch you. I just don't want that much touching, (laughs) but it's such a balance because Mm. that's not the kind of thing that I can just like let go Mm. and wait until later because I needed the touching to stop. Mm. That's a great example. And it sounds like you handled it really well. And, but you still had that beat to not be like, Hey, you know, and, push him away or kind of react as if, you know, something, you know, really scary was happening, which is probably what was happening in your body. But you were able to then just stay, actually, do you know what? That isn't right for me now. Absolutely. I'm not saying um, to sort of wait on stuff like that. I think you handled that really, really well. But you but but you were able to notice it. And I, I love that. And that's great. And and it was obviously okay after that. He was able to hear you and respect that. And then you just carried on with your Completely. evening. Yeah. Yeah, he actually thanked me. The the whole reason I made a video about it is because he thanked me for being comfortable enough to tell yeah. him that it made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Which I, I really appreciated. Yeah. We didn't end up working out for other reasons, but like that was a really great quality he had. Men actually respond so well to as much guidance as we can give them because I work with a lot of men and men are just like, why can't you not just tell me? And I, I will always coach my clients and just say, how could you have expressed that more directly? How could you have just in a, in a in a relaxed way just said, hey, boom, boom, boom. It's kind of as women, we can, I think, be a little bit barbed in how we speak sometimes. And there is a defensiveness, you know, because it's so vulnerable in our relationships. There's so much fear there. And then, yeah, we've, we, we don't have a lot of options with how we communicate. So, um, yeah, I think by guiding people, guiding people and this works especially well with men just stating what you want making requests you know really appreciating it when something happens and say oh god I love it when that happens or I loved it when you did that or it made me feel really special when you did that and that really helps us teach each other what we actually need from each other rather than just expecting everyone to just know so that I I agree with you that's an amazing practice I, there's a relationship therapist that I follow and I saw a video or an Instagram story of hers the other day that I've been trying to implement, which is to like praise near misses. So like when they kind of like try to do something that you've 
said is important to you or that you really like. And for it might go wrong, but they're clearly putting the foot in the right direction to be like very grateful that they are like starting the process and like it's clearly they're thinking about it. And so, mm. yeah, I've been trying to do a lot of that. And that is so wonderful because that goes against, I think, this the very critical world that we live in today and when i'm sitting with a with a couple who are struggling they've they've come to therapy let me tell you it is so clear how critical they are of each other and as we're progressing in therapy it is so important to really begin to relax into we're all learning here we're all trying we're not going to get it perfect and we have to hold on to i love that the near misses or just the attempts, or just the good intentions, and 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 to allow that to actually be received by us as something, because it's very easy. I know I'm guilty of this, to just be dismissive of anything, and actually a near miss or an attempt is just even more proof of someone's uselessness or you know patheticness or impossibility <laughs> to meet our needs. Yeah, and, and it's kind of oh my gosh, we're just you know we are not going to get any traction. We're not going to create any goodwill and we're not going to inspire more change and more effort um, from that perspective. So I love that idea as well. That's so important. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's actually something that I have talked to my therapist about and that I dealt with in my last relationship, which was a disaster for other reasons. But he he often gave me the feedback that like he felt like once he had achieved one thing, I had another thing I needed him to achieve. Mm-hmm. Like that I would give – and I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head now. But like he was right in this in this one particular thing. He was, he was right that like I had a need and he would like figure out how to fill it mm-hmm. and then I would have another need. Yeah. Like it was like mm-hmm. I, he, he felt like he – it was like um, the goalposts were always moving. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's absolutely right. I've heard so many men say that. I mean, I've heard that a thousand times. There's that, you know, you hear the same phrases, whatever I do, it's never enough. She's, mm-hmm. she's never satisfied. Um, even when I try, it's, it's not right. So, you know, everything, you know, Rourke, like you were saying, and everything you're saying, Ali, is, is so true. And we can sort of move into this sort of headmistress um, I don't know, school teacher, policeman role in a relationship. <laughs> and, you know, it's not sexy and it's not nice. And that, you know, so to, so to bring in something that is more tender and more just appreciative that you're able to actually see and validate someone's efforts and maybe efforts that are not even what we want. <laughs> we don't, we don't, we don't want the way they express their love or they, or they show their love, but we can appreciate this is how they do it and be grateful for that. These are, I think, are very difficult things, but they go against our trauma and we don't realize that that's actually going to heal our trauma of by relaxing into accepting what love looks like and how it's expressed in so many different ways and we can receive it in different ways actually teaches us to be broader and for our for our hearts to expand really and have more that we can we can take in as love when actually what we really want, what our trauma wants is a specific kind of love, exactly how we want it, when we want it, the way we want it, and anything deviating from that is just yeah. trash. And it's just, it's such a shame because we then become um, very, very difficult to please 
And that feeds into, I think, a lot of fears men have. And then we're stuck in a really unhelpful cycle. Yeah. What you're saying reminds me of a question that we got from one of our listeners, which the question is how to tell your partner that you long for more care, interest, and love in the relationship. And when I read that, my first thought was, I I wonder if you this person's partner is giving them what they think is care, interest, and love, yeah. but it's just not being received that way. I mean, I I have to hope that they're not in a relationship with somebody who's giving them no care, interest, or love, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Like they're yeah. just maybe doing it differently. Yeah, I think, you know, yeah, I, I always I always take it for granted that, you know, people who ask questions, are, they're in the relationships they want to be in, you know, they're choosing that person, they're fundamentally decent people, that's why they're in relationship with them. And so figuring out these things that, that you know, do have meaning in a relationship is, is important. And it is painful, because often we can have a real yearning for, um, you know, verbal affection and affirmation and words. There are definitely words people. And then there are often, I think, acts of service people. And that's, you know, it's such a, it's such a shame because those two things do not really complement each other very well. But um, I think definitely learning to make requests without expectation is something that I would really recommend, you know, ask for for what you like and don't expect to get it because I think sometimes we're really brave and we might say hey I'd love it if we could just you know I'd love it you know if if you know if your birthday is coming up or something you can say oh I'd actually really love you to just write a few words of how you feel about me I would just love that more than anything or something it's kind of a way of asking for what you need and and teaching And sometimes that can work really well. And people go, oh, great. I didn't even know that about you, that that's what you needed. And I'd love to meet those needs and let's do that. But I think what happens a lot is actually people are then terrified because they don't actually know how to do that because that is not how they communicate love or it's just so difficult for them. And often it's the people who are really affectionate and, you know, super tactile or great with words who want that back. And funnily enough, the person that you're with probably is not going to be as great a wordsmith as you are, or, you know, nearly as affectionate as you. So what's going to be really effortful for them and a real sort of sign of sort of love for you is going to probably register like 10 or 20% on your own personal sort of scale. So I think it is, it is a way of, of easing each other. So exactly what you're saying, Andy, it's, how can we see how the love is being expressed and really be grateful for that and take that in? And as we go along, make requests for what we would like in the hope that, you know, we will get that. But what I will say about that is we have to accept repetition. We need to ask a hundred times, you know, it's not just once or twice and, oh, well, what's the point? And I just, you know, they don't do it anyway. So blah, blah, blah. It's like, keep asking like broken record technique I'd love it if we could spend more time together I've planned this thing let's go and do this thing I've booked us tickets it's in your diary let's do this or you know really repeat what you want because I do believe that relationships are about teaching each other how to love each other and that is also a great thing it's like having a bit of a conversation Mm -hmm. and saying hey I'd love to spend more time together or I'd love you know you to be praising me or complimenting me or saying nice things more, you know, you need to get better at that. What can I get better for you? 
you know, what what can I do for you? Because I'd love to, or, and sometimes we even know, I'll challenge my clients and go, okay, well, what would your partner want more of with you? And they look a bit sheepish and go, oh, right, well, they'd like me to be doing this or doing that. I'm like, okay, well, how about you start doing something? They know, yeah. And you know what? Suddenly you can, you can be like, hey, I'm doing all this great stuff for you. Where's, you know, where's my love letter or whatever? And, you know, then suddenly you're in a place where, you know, there's mutuality going on. And again, it's much more relational and equal. I have another listener question, but it's definitely something that I relate to, um, which is I get anxious that my boyfriend is not my person when things don't feel amazing. How do I get past that? Yeah, that is such a great question, isn't it? Because I think when we're dating and when we're in relationship, there's a part of us that comes to the fore that is you know, does have so much need and our expectations for the feelings that we're going to have are so great. And what's difficult is that we do sometimes feel them, don't we? Sometimes it's like, wow, you're just amazing, this person. I'm just so lucky and this is great. And then like two weeks later, it's like, what, you again? Oh God, why are you being so annoying? Or (laughs) it's really, um, it is not consistent. And that is something that I think is very difficult to handle with this whole notion of am I falling out of love with this person or is this person not the right one for me? And so I like to take a bit more of a global picture of this and do that whole thing, which is, you know, love is a well-thought-out decision that we make. It isn't a feeling by which we are overwhelmed. It is really something that we choose to do. And the more we choose to do it, the more we are likely to feel that loving that feeling or that sense of connection. But connection is something that is dependent on a lot of things and it is ever-changing. And that's what makes it quite special. Do not expect your relationship to feel amazing all of the time, but put effort into making it amazing. And, and notice when um, someone is perhaps behaving in ways that show you that they are loving you and really just crank your heart open and let that in. Because I think it's a very, you know, it's like a little bit, you know, therapists don't really believe in boredom. And so in from a relational perspective, we, we can't really believe in this sort of thing of feelings changing. It's either we're opening or we're closing. So if we, are, mm. if we aren't feeling oh, something interesting. with a partner, what, we can say to ourselves, what am I close to right now? That there's, there's, there's some expectation that we're probably wanting that's being disappointed. Well, you know, welcome to relationship life. But there's something happening for us and there's a close in us. You know, we're not open to the receptivity and, and having it all of it. Something is a little bit closed. And so I think it's our job to be working on being open in our relationship all the time. Yes, it's not going to be sunshine and strawberries every day. Of course not. But there is something about we are opening and closing all the time and we can understand ourselves better about understanding what, how and when that that that, that happens and become more conscious of that. Yeah. Something that I try to do and that my that my therapist has introduced me to is to consider – that thing so the in the question um where it says when things don't feel amazing if there's something 
like a pattern that this person does or there's this aspect about them and that's sort of what's not making it feel amazing. I often try to say to myself like, okay, it's a little like this person doesn't do X super well. That that that's a that's a need I have to kind of, you know, that's a muscle that we have to exercise as a couple where we work on that and like, okay, so this person doesn't do X super well. I could break up with this person and go find somebody who does X amazingly. Mm. However, in theory, the person you're with hopefully does Y amazing. And there is no telling whether or not the person who does X amazing (laughs) is also going to be able to do Y amazing. And you can take that gamble. Go for it. And so I think what then becomes the the question that I ask myself is, have I – like, am I starting to lose myself – in the Y being, or sorry, in the X being like not so good. Like, is that causing me to not be myself, um, trying to deal with a deficiency in X? And um, if no, then like look at Y and say like, these are all these like really amazing things. These are, This is where we're so aligned. Like, I want to be with this person for all these amazing reasons. And like, this stuff can be worked on. Yeah, that's a that's a great way of of putting it, because it can easily become a sort of, you know, relationship perfectionism of sorts that it's like, well, what about this, this and this and this? And oh, well, this he's brilliant at that or she's great at that, but not so hot on this. And we can then become a little bit too, um, I guess, hypercritical or overly expectant or really actually quite perfectionist as opposed to. I'm actually with this human being who has a lot of these great qualities and also these other bits of, of things that obviously I have as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a big advocate of, you know, how can I even love this person for the seeming deficit or, you know, this limitation? It's, it, it's a very powerful thing, you know, for those of us who have like, um, nieces and nephews or our own kids or even pets or whatever there's there's this real just love that just exists that can just happen and it just fills our hearts and you know it doesn't matter what they do or how they behave or you know how how messy they are or whatever we just love and adore them and it's kind of what part of us is that tapping into whereby we are just so accepting and loving at the same time and then we just get that right back from them I, I like to challenge us to bring that into our relationships more because that it's like that multiplies the love and good feelings in a relationship. Whereas the sort of the overfocus sometimes on, on what's lacking or what isn't there can slowly suck the joy and the sort of happiness from that relationship. And that that's my worry is sort of we're all going to inevitably have stuff we are human yes, keep working, keep growing, keep challenging each other. But also I think there's also something about accepting each other brings incredible love and and deepness to our long-term relationships. Yeah, I love that. I saw something recently that that reminds me of about pets. Where like, I have two cats. You've probably seen them walking behind me. And like, they do like really annoying incredibly dumb things on a daily basis that are that just seem to be completely intended to sabotage me in my life and yet I'm obsessed with them yeah like I don't focus on the fact that they like purposefully knocked that glass off the counter Mm -hmm. 
like I am obsessed with them. Absolutely. So like, you know, it's obviously like a little bit different, but like I'm, I focus on, you know, oh my gosh, we had the most amazing little cuddle session this morning. It's totally fine that my couch is ruined. Yeah. You know? <laughs> this is not a listener question, but this conversation has, ha- does get me thinking None of this is to say there aren't deal breakers or breaking points and things that are unhealthy. And so where do you find th- – this is not going to be a hard and fast question, but you know, where, where do you see that line coming up? What, what, to, what to you are indications of this couple has – or you know, one person has kind of done the work to realize – to, to, they've been focusing on the positive, but the negative is actually unhealthy for this other person. Like, where where, where do we tip into that mm. area? That's a great question because it is really difficult. Because for those of us who believe in marriage, when you're married to someone and something happens three years in, five years in, 10, 20 years in, you're, you know, you're in it and you're going to be dealing with it. And we don't sort of ask ourselves these questions because that's the commitment we make when we when we marry someone. So it is an interesting thing. And working with many couples has taught me, I guess, what really matters. And I think for me, you know, non non-negotiables are really quite extreme. You know, they are the abusive relationships, they are the sort of you know, people with active addiction issues that they have no interest in addressing whatsoever, maybe huge financial issues or debting issues that, again, not interested in looking at, head in the sand, just pretending it isn't kind of happening. Those are really more my non-negotiables because, you know, relationships are fundamentally difficult and humans are also fundamentally quite complicated. And so there are going to be, there is going to be a lot of difficulty and there are going to be places where we miss each other and we have a, and and we have a tough time. So at some, I think something that's definitely helpful is maybe to have two people who are pretty much into and committed to one another in the same way. I think often a big problem in relationships that is often insurmountable is there's one person really willing to do all the work and then they're sort of over-functioning and they're doing everything and it's all on their shoulders and the other person is kind of very uninterested, very half-hearted in their efforts and actually the sort of commitment level is sort of a bit ambivalent. That I think could for me would be um, a, a non-negotiable because I think that can be incredibly damaging to the overfunctioner and the person that really does care that you know there's a lot of that feeling. was that was me and there's an ex that we call PowerPoint on the show okay. that was me in PowerPoint to a T where I that's exactly what our relationship was and then finally when I had the courage to break up with him he was like let's go to couples therapy let's yeah. do all this stuff and I'm like Oh no no! You can't now choose to fight. Like I, I, I'm now done. <laughs> and yeah, well done. it was not good. Yeah, that's that happens so much. It's really, really, really sad. People mature and grow up at different levels in a relationship, and sometimes people just unfortunately miss yeah. the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a little bit of a somber like, note. I know it's a little <laughs> bit of a somber note, but I feel like that that like we kind of did like an end to end. Um, mm-hmm. sort of conversation. And I feel like, although it is a somber note, feels like a nice uh, a nice place to wrap up. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was, I'm, I'm 
very excited to i mean obviously once it's published i can listen to it as many times as i want but i'm excited to edit this to re-listen because i want to get like yes. new takeaways <laughs> all the nuggets yeah it was really good it was i think we actually covered a lot of stuff that hopefully will be very useful because there is you know there is there's so much um of our human experience and all of this i think and we need to be reminded and and told and yeah hopefully well, I'm, I'm i hope you guys found it helpful and interesting Absolutely. Yes. Um, So Sharice, before we wrap up, let the listeners know where they can find you. Okay. Well, I'm on Instagram um, and you can find me at the Sharice Cook and you can spell my name C-H-A-R-I-S-S-E-C-O-O-K-E. And I also have a website, sharicecook.com, where I keep all my videos and all my articles where I literally walk people through a whole sort of journey through of a relationship therapy that's completely for free and people can read up and kind of I very in a very bossy way take people through the process of how to learn about relationships and what we do in them and all the traps we fall into and how to really um, avoid those at all costs if we can. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This was incredible. Yeah. Thank you for your time. What time is it there? It is now half past five. In the evening. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah enjoy okay, your well, night thank, then. Thank you so much, guys. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Us too. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Have a good night.